0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. You have your Bibles. I'm going to invite you to open them with me to the New Testament, second book of Timothy. Thank you, guys. That was great. Tell our team how good they did this morning. Powerful. And we'll be back tonight at five o'clock for a double dose. Double dipping. I'll be preaching a message tonight. Unless the Lord changes my direction, I'm going to preach a message I've never preached anywhere before. So it must be for somebody in Orange County. And I believe it's going to touch some people. I'm excited about it. I almost preached it in Georgia last Sunday, but I didn't. I've been carrying it in my Bible for about three weeks. And I want to preach it tonight. You don't know the name of it? All right, I won't tell you till tonight. That was not an enthusiastic response. Do you want to know the name of it? <laughs> That's more like it. That's more like it. I'm still not going to tell you until you come back tonight. Maybe at the end of this message, if you're a good audience. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, I want to preach today a message that I think is is so, so, so very important. How many of you are fasting and praying as the Lord's leading you? If you fell off the wagon, jump back on. Get in on this final week of fasting and prayer. And my goodness, what powerful testimonies. Wasn't that amazing what Nancy shared? And just think, if she hadn't fasted and prayed, she would have never met Jake. And Jake was her answer. To many days of fasting and prayer. And he has your answer. How I many of you are not sure if you want that answer now? But seriously, we love them and appreciate the powerful, powerful testimony. I, that touched my heart, Nancy. It's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Second Timothy chapter 1. And I'll get to it in a minute. Verse 5. But you don't need to look at it yet. I just want to talk. I was thinking about the other day how that our faith can go through the, uh, seasons. The Bible talks about people who had great faith, the Bible talks about people who had little faith. It said, Oh, ye of little faith, but they still had faith. And Jesus said, If you've got the, 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 the faith the size of the seed of a mustard grain, which is tiny, you can move a mountain. So there's little faith, but little faith is powerful. Then there's, um, you know, great faith. The Bible talks about we grow in faith. It says we grow from faith unto faith, different levels of faith. But when we talk about faith, we need to really put some definition to it. A lot of people have abstract faith, meaning, especially out here, let's be honest for a minute. I live in the Bible Belt, and if most people have faith, it's rooted in some church background that they came from. But I think particularly in areas like Orange County, and like California, that a lot of people would say, if you were to ask them, are you a person of faith, they would say, I do believe in something, something somewhere out there, Now I don't know about all that Bible stuff and that. Bible thumping and those preachers and that Jesus. And I don't think that's the only way to get to God. I believe all roads lead to God. If you ask them, you know, do you believe in God? They would say, yeah, I believe. But there's no definition of their faith. It's abstract faith. I believe something. I I believe there's a higher being. There's a man upstairs. There's something out there. But I don't know about, you know, the only way is through Jesus. That's a little narrow-minded. They would say, you know, there's no manifestation of their faith in their own life, nor in who they believe in. There's no manifestation. It's just, it's just something is out there, and when we die, something is out there. And I would call that abstract faith. It's, just, it's a sad way to go through life, hoping and believing that there's something out there. But a lot of people are there. I would add that they believe in a spirit world. And so do, so do psychics, for example. Something's out there. Psychic, spiritualist. That's why they turn to people like that. Because they believe there's something to it. But they don't accept Jesus as it. The way, the truth, and the life. And then there's... A more structured faith. Um, I would call it ceremonial faith. Ceremonial faith is faith that the church gives you. Faith that maybe mom and dad, or if you were raised in a Christian home, they had strong faith. And even though you don't have it, you like the ceremonies of faith. You believe in church, You believe that the Bible is the word of God. You just don't read it. You believe that the house of God should always be there. You like the cross. You like all of the ceremony. But that's really, if it came down to it, what your faith would be, would be a loose definition of um, ceremonies. I believe in the Bible. I believe in prayer. I believe in all of these things. Let me put it to you like this. People who who have the kind of faith I'm talking about, they understand that they should be married in a Christian marriage. But how many of you know it's easier to have a Christian wedding than a Christian marriage? And they want the ceremony of a Christian wedding, they invite Jesus into the sanctuary for the Christian ceremony. But they want the devil to run the reception I just went straight there, didn't I Here, just uh let let's go a little bit further in a few moments. I'll be dedicating some babies in the next service, and uh, it's and and you know what you got to start somewhere, so I appreciate the fact that somebody. Who is, who, who, who is living with their lover, decides in a service we should get married. We believe that's in pleasing in the eyes of Jesus. And they may be way in the kiddie pool, but that's all right. At least they're, they're headed in the right direction. All right, so, so, so bear that in mind as I continue now. Ceremonial faith means, another illustration would be, I want my babies in a baby dedication ceremony. I want the preacher to hold the baby and dedicate the baby to the Lord because I do want my child to know Jesus Christ and that we live in a Christian, something like a Christian family. The crazy thing is sometimes the parents who are standing there have absolutely no intention of raising that child by their biblical example in the Christian faith. They're saying, dedicate my baby to Jesus in a ceremony, but I'm not going to come to church. I'm not going to lead them. I'm not going to open up the Bible. I'm not going to pray at home. I'm never going to bless. I- I'm never going to be that. Par- See, baby dedication is just as much for the parent. Actually, a poor little baby's just standing there. It's the parents who have to step up. But we like the ceremony We like the same thing with water baptism. You can get in the water out there in front of the cross. That's a baptism, that little water fountain. You can get in the water and go down a dry center and come up out of the water a wet center, and nothing has changed. But you were baptized in a baptism ceremony. I'm just saying. That some people have abstract faiths. I believe in something out there. I reject any organized religion. I pray to the universe. And that's one. Then there's people who believe in the ceremonial faith of how they were raised. And the Bible and the church and all the stuff. And they come on Easter and they come on Christmas. But then there's this third level that I'm preaching about today. I'm going to call it transferable faith. Transferable faith. Transferable faith. Listen, the only way to transfer the faith that you have to your friends, to your family, to your colleagues, to your children, to your children's children, the only kind of faith that is transferable is personal faith. It's when you don't just have it because... You go to church, but something is happening in you personally, and the only part of your faith, please hear me, the only part of your faith that you will transfer to your children and your children's children and your friends and the people you go to school or work with, the only part of that that gets transferred to anybody is the part that is personal and real to you. Real faith Doesn't have to be motivated to praise. Real faith doesn't sit there until the worship leader says, Clap your hands, throw your hands. Real faith has a praise inside. Real faith doesn't really have to be motivated to pray. There's something in you that knows to pray. There's something in you that knows to fast. There's something in you that knows to give. And because I have faith, it's personal. The only kind of faith that is transferable is personal faith. And now we come to my text, and I want to read it now in in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Here's a powerful illustration of transferable faith. Watch this. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, It dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois. She had it. It was personal. And your mother, Eunice, your mother got it from her grandmother, from her mother. And then your mother, Eunice, got it. And notice what he says. He says, and I am persuaded it's in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, Through the laying on of hands, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is such a beautiful scripture, ladies and gentlemen. This verse just said, that you can transfer your faith. If it's personal between you and God, it started with a grandmother, and then it was passed to a mother. But notice God doesn't have any grandchildren. The mother had to have the same personal relationship that the grandmother had, and now the mother passes it to her son. She's a single mother... But she passes her personal faith, it's transferred to the son, and the son gets such a touch of God that Paul the apostle said, when I call to remembrance the sincere faith that I see in you, I saw it first in your grandmother, and she transferred it to your mother, and now he makes this powerful statement, and I see that it is in you. Turn to somebody and say, it's in you. You can teach people and transfer to people what you have. You can put faith in your kids if it's personal. Now, if you play in games, if you just come into church, if you just coming in here and you don't have any relationship personally, you believe in God out there and you want to make it to heaven, you got fire insurance because you got saved one time and that's about it. That will not be transferred to those kids. But if you have personal faith, you can transfer it to your kids. You can transfer it to your grandkids. You can transfer it to your great, great grandkids. Faith is transferable just like depression. What I'm trying to say to you is somebody's spirit is getting on you. Good or bad. It depends on the kind of people that you have around you. And I'm saying today that faith that can move mountains. Faith that can make miracles be on the way. Faith grows and is transferable when and where it is personal. That's why this isn't a game. That's why when you come to church, you need to get your faith built up. Because not only you are relying on it, but your children and your children's children. Because the only part of your faith, you think about what I'm saying. The only part of your faith that you will transfer spiritually is the part you're living with you and Jesus personally. Faith, here's another big one. Faith is... The essential ingredient. Faith is the essential ingredient. Now listen carefully. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 and 6. Throw it up. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 and 6. It says that he walked with God and he had a testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6 quickly. Verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please God. Everybody say faith is the essential ingredient. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now I'm going to read the rest and you relax. For he who comes to God, watch this, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, I love this, faster as I want you to get a little excited right here, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I've come tonight, or today, this morning, to tell you that the kingdom of God is based on a reward system. Salvation is free. Anybody can have it. But beyond that, he said, I reward people who diligently seek me. They believe that I am real. They believe that I'm real enough to push the table away. They believe that I'm real enough to pray to a God they can't see. They believe my word is so real that they act like they can't live without a day of tasting of this book. They act like I'm so real they believe in me. That's why they raise their hands and this is how they fight their battles. Not with worry, not with stress, but with worship and with praise. And he said, I am a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When they had that uh, $20 million reward on Osama bin Laden, they, they had it and it worded like this. I would have turned him in if I knew where he was. <laughs> but, but, but it was worded like this. It was said, um, if you have any information leading to his death or capture. And when I read he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, in that reward system, you, he had to be captured or, so that he could be killed. But God says, I, I don't even require that you catch me. I'm a rewarder of them who diligently, that's a a big word right there. It's serious now. This is the last week. It's serious now. I mean, never has In-N-Out been looking any better than it's looking right now. Never has steak and chicken and sweets and all the, it looks so good. But he is a rewarder of them, catch it, who diligently just seek it. You don't even have to find him and catch him. Just seek him. And God says, I will. In Matthew 6, he said, I'll reward you openly when you seek me privately. The kingdom of God is not based on welfare. It's based on warfare. The kingdom of God is not a handout. It's a reward system. You determine. You determine how much you receive by pursuing God diligently seeking him. He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Inside of your Bible is what your life is supposed to look like. But you cannot get there without the essential ingredient. And guess what that is? Your personal faith. Not just faith out there. Not just ceremonial faith of coming to church and sitting through service. But when it becomes personal, I believe, believe, God got a word from God, I believe, I believe, then suddenly you pursue God and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me throw another one at you. You getting something out of this? Faith is the currency of heaven. In England, if you want to buy something, you go into a store and, you, and, the, and the currency is pounds. In Germany, it's francs. In Japan, it's the yen. In America, it's the dollar. But in heaven, heaven has everything you need in their warehouses. But the currency of heaven is faith. Faith is the currency. You give me faith, I give you what you need. Currency is, faith is the currency of heaven. And without it, you get nothing. Now I'm going to really make this come home with the next point. And this, is going, this is going to confuse some people because you think that miracles and blessings are just random things that you get lucky about. No. In the kingdom of God, you don't get what you want. You get what you believe for. Mark 9, 23, if you can believe, all things are possible unto you. It's not limited by what others believe. It's limited by what you believe. It's personal faith. Well, prove that to me. I will. In Luke chapter 4. Let me, and they can go, go to Luke chapter 4 and I'll end up in verse 21. I'll, I'll pull it up in just a minute. But they try to follow me. But you go home and read Luke chapter 4. Let me tell you what the setting is of Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes to his hometown Nazareth, and the Bible said he could do no mighty... In the chapter before, he healed everybody in the city. Goes to his hometown, and the Bible said he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. And somebody, when he started, he healed a few sick folk, and when he healed the few sick folk, somebody spoke up and said, "Is Is that not Joseph's son? Is that not Joseph the carpenter's son? And the Bible, your Bible said, Jesus, God in skin, could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. And then Jesus, to teach, he said, a prophet has no honor in his own, when people are too familiar, that he has no honor. And then he says this, he gives this illustration in Luke four twenty one. He says, for there were many widows, if you can throw that up, there were many widows... Luke 4, for there were many widows. Everybody see those words? Many widows, widows who were in Israel in the days of Elijah during the famine, people starving to death. Now, now, now watch this. He's going to give two illustrations to prove what he was just saying, how it's personal faith. Now, look up here at me. There were many widows, but then he goes on to say, but only one of them got a miracle. Now, notice the, notice the transition. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere, I promise. There were many widows. There were many needs. There were many risky people in the middle, uh, at-risk people, I guess I should say, at-risk people who were many widows who were desperately needing food, but only one of them got the miracle. Why? Because she had personal faith. When the prophet walked up to her and he said, give me your last meal. She had to make a decision. She said, I'm saving this pancake mix for me and my little baby. We're going to eat it and die. And the prophet said, thus saith the Lord, make me a cake first. And in that moment, her personal faith kicked in. And she said, you know what I'm going to do? What he said do and she gave what she had and when she did suddenly it activated the realm of faith and the Bible said her barrel of food didn't run out for three and a half years for her and her child and they were fed. Now watch many widows but one had personal faith and one got it and many didn't. Can I keep preaching? and listen to me. Then he gives a second illustration Everybody say faith is the essential ingredient. Everybody say faith is is the currency of heaven. heaven. Then he gives a second illustration in the same chapter. He said in the days of Elisha, there were many lepers. Throw that part up now. There were many lepers. He starts talking about the lepers. Throw it up, guys. There were many lepers. Many But none of them were cleansed except for one, Naaman the Syrian. Now, why would Jesus take time to point this out? Well, you know the story. Now, watch this. This is so important. The widow had personal faith. But when you don't have a lot of personal faith, there's a great lesson in the leper. Naaman was a Syrian general, famous, powerful, wealthy man. And when he went to the prophet, the prophet said, you go get in the filthy river Jordan and dip seven times and you'll be healed. And he didn't like the instruction. It insulted his pride. He got haughty. He said, how dare you? And he was going to go away, covered up like a leper and leave and go home and die. And even though he didn't have personal faith in the word from the Lord, he had a servant. He got around somebody who had personal faith and they transferred their faith onto him in a time when he was about to quit, when he was about to walk away, when he's about to get the biggest miracle and breakthrough of his life. He would have missed it had he not got around someone who had transferable faith. That's why it's so important that you get your face in this place. Because you don't know the very Sunday that you are laying out, laying in bed, or walking down the beach, you could get around somebody on your road. Just look on your road. They might have faith enough to transfer faith down the road, and you can get a miracle. That's as biblical. Now, watch this. Turn to somebody and say, Get your face in this place a lot. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if I don't have faith, if I get in an atmosphere of faith, if I get around people of faith, if I get under the teaching of faith, faith comes by the hearing of the word. And suddenly what I didn't have faith for when I walked in here, I walk out of here like I've already got it praising God. That's what faith is the substance. Here it is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Didn't have any hope when you walked in, but when that's when you know you've been to church. When you walk out, you got a smile on your face saying, I know everything's just like it was, but I got a hope. Yeah. That is unexplainable. Unless God told me. You know what that little servant said to him? He said, if he'd ask you to do some big thing, you'd have done it. Why don't you go jump in the lake and dip seven times? He dipped six times, and I got a feeling the sixth time he came up, the, the Bible said the leprosy was still on him, and I bet he was just rolling his eyes at that servant. And the little servant said, he said seven, not six. He goes down seven times, comes up out of the water, and your Bible said his skin was like the skin of a baby. What a beautiful picture, by the way, of water baptism. You go down, you come up born again. Hallelujah, like skin of a brand new baby. Faith is the equalizer. Faith. So I conclude with this. The people in Nazareth wanted what other people had, the miracles, but they didn't see what other people saw. The widow saw something and her personal faith was transferred to her son because she believed God and kept her family alive. The leper Naaman didn't have personal faith, but because he got around somebody who had personal faith, they transferred their faith into an atmosphere of unbelief. And suddenly, a heathen general. You know what the Bible said about Naaman? That river that he hated so much. Have you ever read? It's an interesting story. said that he took bags and loaded mud from the banks of the river and took them home. He had to go back to Syria. And they didn't worship Jehovah in Syria. They didn't have any synagogues. And do you know what your Bible said he did with that mud? He, he, that's the river. Now, before he was, he was aggravated that he had to get in that old dirty river. Ooh, you better be careful when you get around a church like this. That, I hate going over there. I'm only going for you. Blankety-blank that preacher. Blankety-blank-blank blank, that music. Blank-blank-blank pull up. I don't like that guy telling me where to park. I'll tell you what. I, well, I'll tell you what. It's too many people in. But Look out. Because if you you ever get around the bank, you might slip into the river. And when you slip into the river, here's the crazy thing. He said, I got on holy ground and I can't leave it all here in Israel. I got to go back to Syria and work with a bunch of devils. So I'm going to take me some bag loads of mud from the Jordan River. And the Bible said, uh, this wasn't in my notes, but can I preach? Your Bible said, That that Syrian general went in the temple, and I'm trying to remember the name of the God that they worship because it tells you, and he put mud in the synagogue of a false god, and when he had to go in there and all the rest of them went, and they bowed down to that statue, he had him a little mud spot from the Jordan River, and he would stand on it and worship God in the middle of all those devils. I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and this is holy ground. I wish you'd get some of that and take it back to your house and declare it's holy ground. I wish you'd get some of this and take it back to the streets and take it back to the university and take it back to the dorm. Take it back to where you work and they can do and say whatever, but you're worshiping it's holy ground. I'm sorry. I need to calm down. But I have personal faith. And you shouldn't have come to church today because it's transferring from me to you. Something in you is saying the mountain can move. Something is in you saying I'm out of options, but there is a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer. Everybody take a praise break if you know it's the truth. I feel miracle working faith. I'm tired of asking for little things. Lord, heal my ingrown toenail. God can heal cancer just as easy as he can heal an infection. Anybody believe this is the year for the unusual? So I close with this. Paul then says concerning the personal transferable faith that Timothy got from his mother, that his mother got from her mother, that her mother got from God in a personal relationship. He then says two powerful things that I conclude with this morning. And I need to say it, and I need for the Lord to make it real inside of you. Number one, he said, son, I want you to know it's in you. The faith that can move mountains. The faith that was in your grandmother. The faith that was in your mother. The faith that is miracle working. It is in you. And then he said something equally as powerful. He said, now stir it up. Two things. Number one, it is in you. It's in you to win this year. It's in you to conquer this year. It's in you not to fear and walk in worry and torment. It's in you to see victory this year. Good success this year. Prosper. Because faith is the currency of heaven. It's in you. Everybody shout, It's in me. It's in Anybody got anybody in your family? A grandmother, a father, a dad, an uncle? Somebody in your family started faith in your family and it's been transferred to you. Can I see your hand? All right, keep your hand up and shout, I'm glad they had it. But it's in me also. That's a big word. It's in me also. Now shout over that a minute. It's in me also. Which means... If you were their seed, you were their child, you were their relative, and they transferred it to you, guess what? You're going to be successful. I don't care if they're on crack. I don't care where they are. I don't care what kind of mess they're in. He said, number one, it's in you. Number two, you have to stir it up. Stir it up. Get in some services where your faith gets stirred up and you quit acting like somebody beat up and tore up from the floor up. Don't expect nothing. Ain't looking for nothing different this year than last year. You need a stirring up of what's in you. Because this mountain move. So I'm going to decree I wrote down some things that I want to decree. Everybody shout, it's in me to do it in 2020. Shout it out loud. It's in me to do it in 2020. If I feed it, if I get it in the right atmosphere, and if I keep it stirred up, I can do all things. So I decree, no, this is me. <laughs> but you can receive it. And you can stir it up. Let's see, some people are going to hear this, but others are going to hear it. It's going, woo. So there are many, but I'm sent to the ones who have personal faith. Here it is. I wrote these down uh, last week. And I felt like they were on. I took a pen and I said, I declare and I decree in Jesus' name. Things are moving. The hand of God is coming upon you. Here's a big one. Things are changing for you. It's the end of unstable waters tossed to and fro. Up, down, up, down. It's the end of unstable waters. If you can believe, all things are possible. Turn to somebody and say, You don't need another fortune cookie. You don't need that kind of word for 2020. You need what you're hearing right now. This is a word from the Lord for you right now. Oh, so let me close with what God gave. All right. So Psalms, and I'm gonna close with this. I thought you were closing a while ago. You thought wrong. (laughs) Psalms. One psalm 65 is where i want to go psalm 65 my daughter courtney is on a 21 day fast only liquids yeah and she gave me this verse the other day and i feel like i feel like it was so on i want y'all to put this one up and i'm using the uh, one I always used. (laughs) What's it called? New international version. I don't know. I want you to put up um, Psalms 65 and verse 11 for the new year of 2020. I want everybody to get a smile on your face. Watch this. That's it. Thank you. You crown the year, which year? You crown the year with your goodness and your past drip with abundance. Let me read you my translation. That's a good one. Leave that one up. My translation said, You crown the year with your goodness and your past drip (laughs) with abundance. (laughs) There's another one that says, Your carts overflow with abundance. You crown the year with goodness. How many of you receive that kind of year? Come on. Faith is the essential thing. The essential ingredient. The currency of heaven. Faith is the equalizer. You crown the year with goodness. And this year my paths are going to drip with abundance. Get up on your feet and shout for about 15 seconds. I mean shout like you believe it. I mean shout like you believe that He's crowning this year with goodness and your hearts are going to overflow with abundance. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.